the story behind the story in faith, culture, news, and entertainment. This is this is Billy Hallowell. Hey, I'm here today with Crowder. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. So, are you on the road right now? Oh yeah, we're uh, actually wrapping up the last weekend of a tour we've been on for uh, a couple of months now called Big Church Night Out. It's just a bunch. It's like a bunch of bands. Um, and mostly uh, churches that we've been hitting as far as the venues go. And it's been a blast, but, you know, it's kind of the end of camp. You're about ready to hug and sing that last song and, and wave goodbye. Yeah, you're like, you're like ready to take a little break from, from <laughs> it would I be, would imagine. <laughs> and, and just in time for, like, turkey. That's exactly. just uh, our timing's perfection. Turkey exactly. and dressing is in, in our future, so I'm wound up. <laughs> I know. We get, well, we get to have two Thanksgivings in our house, so I'm super excited. We have the first one this Saturday and then the actual Thanksgiving. So I feel like oh, I'm well tired of turkey at the end of it, but I'm, I'm excited <laughs> right now at least. So That's great. So in addition to touring all over America, um, you've got new music out. So tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind I Know a Ghost. Well, I've, I kind of always thought in um, record – I guess it's cycles of three just because that's where, where the contracts usually land um, or have always landed. And it just seems like if I'm going to sign a three record contract deal, I might should have like a decent idea of what I might do in those three records. It may be an unusual way to look at it, but I'm thinking, you know, not to be presumptuous, but it seems like we've made an agreement here. So no, that's um, good. Instead I, of just creating something to fill a void that you need to fill, right? Like you're actually thinking it, it through. Like, what do I want this to mean? It does sound a little crazy when you say it that way. <laughs> um, no, so the first one, it's kind of like, um, it's it's basically, it, it's almost a Trinitarian uh, um, presentation that uh, in the first deal, it's like a, in the first record, it was called Neon Steeple. It was kind of like a zoomed out mega narrative of God. Like what what's the narrative in scripture, you know, and, and it begins, you know, with us, walking and talking in the garden with our maker in communion. And then there's displacement. And pretty much every story that's told after that is is the same story. It's it's displacement, longing for home or longing for promised land, or um, how can we get back into communion with, with our father or this person or that person. And, and, um, and, and so th- it was kind of like telling that story in lots of different ways, but it was really meta, like Google Maps zoomed out. And then the uh, last record was... Um, American prodigal. And so obviously it's a little more personalized. Son comes home, you know, after being a little bit rebellious. And it turns out, though, that the story is actually more about inheritance than it is about rebellion in the sense that there are two sons. They both get the inheritance. One's wasted and the other is, you know, still sitting at home with the father the whole time. But then um, but then what? You know, he's like the one that gets upset when the kid comes home. There's a lot there that uh, I was trying to mine i guess you'd say and then this last one's all holy ghost the the party what happens at the party and then what's what about the after party you know there's the party we know about but then but then what and so it's it's kind of picking up where um (laughs) which is a bizarre so jesus is with his buds and they're sitting down for their last meal and and he's like listen i've been telling you i'm about to i'm about to i'm about to be out of here uh and yeah you're not hearing me but seriously i'm about to go but don't panic don't worry because I'm going to leave something with you. I'm going to leave my ghost with you. <laughs> so, I love your and retelling of this. this. Like, your telling of this should be a thing. Like, the way <laughs> the way you're going through this. I, I love it. Well, it, so this is like the Holy Ghost uh, party and after party is this record. <laughs> so you kind of got a Father, Son, Holy Spirit kind of Trinitarian little 
collection of, of things, which is which is kind of what I was going for. But I don't need to explain that to anybody that's just trying to listen to a good song. <laughs> well, listen, I, well, I mean, yeah, and, and all of your music is good. But I, I like hearing that background because I think, you know, you want to know, like, what does the title mean? What is the inspiration behind it? And you kind of covered all of that um, in there. What's your what's your favorite track on the album? Oh, man, Pro- it, probably the title track, just because I had to um, – wrestle with it uh i like that word uh and getting to say it wrestle with it um so to it it helped define the sound of the record i knew that this one i wanted to still maintain that appalachian uh instrumentation um and at the same time i wanted the foundational elements the the programming and the beat side of things to be much more urban i've been in atlanta for for long enough for it to creep in and that's what i'm listening to and loving and i wanted you know uh, all, all these records I've been wanting my favorite things in the same place at the same time. That'd be what you'd hope for anyway. <laughs> at least you get closer to authenticity if it's that. So I was trying to squeeze these things into the same space. And and once it clicked, I kind of had a decent grid for the rest of the record sonically. And um, so it's and it's still and I love it. It still gets me wound up. It's a great opener. It's, it's a real short little intro to here's what you're in for, um, which hopefully makes the listener go, uh-oh, <laughs> this could go anywhere. So I want I wanted to ask you, and don't, I'm not going to ask you any political questions, but I wanted to ask you a culture question because, yeah, totally. you know, for Christians who are, you know, such as yourself, who are performing, who are out there, you know, what are the challenges, if any, of performing and having a presence in sort of a confused, chaotic, broken, everybody's fighting culture, you know, because you're speaking into that in some way. And so how do you, yeah. what's that like? Well, I, I, um, I'm, I'm, pay attention and I care about where I live and, and, and how the culture is and what we value. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty attentive to what's, what's afoot, uh, among my, my space and place on, on the planet. And, and I think that the Christian, the person who has, um, decided to lend themselves and their lives to this story has a real opportunity to express grace in a, in a space where grace is like the last thing offered you know it's like you draw the lines and you hold your ground and it's grace that keeps the hands wide open and and says you know hey what's mine is yours you know even just a simple conversation about like how can you use urban beats with and fiddles and like is that are you not afraid of appropriation and i'm like man my hands are open you know i have a blue truck you can play with my blue truck if you have a green truck you know the best thing for you to do would be to get to a place where your hands are open too. And I think we've come, that would be a better world if, uh, if there wasn't this, um, this need for self to be valued above others. And that's the story of the gospel. And so I think in a lot of these conversations, um, a a Christ like, uh, posture internally and, um, and externally, uh, in our posturing would be super met with met with uh smiles yeah <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. so I mean, needed right now and uh i think we have an opportunity that's very unique um we have an opportunity to fail too and i think a lot of us unfortunately do sometimes because the you know even social media i mean you you take a look at oh, twitter sure. and facebook and it's like as christians it's so easy to get enveloped <laughs> into that you know nasty totally. chaos. remember when there was just like pictures of food and sunsets in myspace yeah i remember all of it and it was so much it was such a better world it, 
know, I just I'm like, and I'm I was one of the first people obsessed with Twitter, right? I mean, that was I loved totally. being on there, and now I love Twitter still. But but I have you have to take steps away, and I have to really think. Okay, what am I? How am I going to respond to this person who just totally. said they hope that I die in a fiery you know plane crash? How do you right. respond to that kind of thing with love and grace? And and I think that's the that's a challenge, and it's not it's not really a bad challenge in the end. I think as long as we mm-hmm. can do it. <laughs> totally. Well, right that would way. be. That would be the the biggest exercise I think that that Christ actually asked us, you know, like uh, turn the other cheek and what, yeah. you know, I mean that's impossible. Like love your enemy, that's absolutely ludicrous. Like who could possibly do that? Love your neighbor, and the neighbor is like on the other side of a tweeting machine and fearless. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and you and you're and launching bombs and rockets at you. It's like oh my gosh, it's just a. Uh, the yeah the social media and technology has made it really uh, easy to be connected to one another. But my goodness, has it made us braver than we are in, in front of one another? Right, which which is really where a lot of these problems come in. And you had written something on your website that I it stuck out to me, and it was you know the quote is I think we are all a lot more the same than we are different. And I just I. I was going to ask you about that because I, I don't think we think that way. We're encouraged sort of not to think that way. And so I wanted to throw that out and just have you expand on that maybe a little bit. Well, I think that goes back to the appropriation thing. I think we've all appropriated something pretty beautiful uh, with with very little trouble. And it's just the breath in our lungs. Like we, you know, I think I've, I've, I'm probably on the same little, little site section. I, I like to say we're nothing but just, you know, dirt and mud and the breath of God. And, and here yet we've, we've done so much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so yeah. to look at one another and, and, and I guess a grander way, um, to look for it's simple. It's, I think it's as simple as this is, um, in a room full of people that live in your neighborhood, there's still so much diversity, you know, there's still so much that uh, make us uh, unique and our personalities are so even in a marriage, you know, you live with someone and you couldn't be made or formed more differently as far as like your your personalities and how you interact with the world. And yet the challenge is how can we find our commonness? How can we find the things that I love about the other person? And when you find the commonalities and 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 you choose love, I mean, love, the weird thing is Jesus commanded us to love, which that would mean that it's not what we typically associate with that word. These, you know, it's a choice. You choose this. And that's not what we, we, we don't feel right. So we can't, you know, respond. I don't feel like anybody sees me or knows me. So therefore I cannot love as well. And that's not what the command, when you start to find the things in someone else that, that bring them to life and that you, you can speak life into them. All of a sudden you're, you're, you're feeling the weight. You're feeling the weight of the world off of your shoulders as well. You're feeling less fragile, and all the stuff that you've been trying to hang on to feels less important. And and that's you can see it best for me. I can see it best in, in my marriage. You know, when I'm yeah. stubborn and I draw my lines and hold my ground, boy, does it get hard. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean and that that's the story of marriage. It's it's a con, it's totally. a constant negotiation and learning about the other person and. You know, and and it's interesting because we talk a lot about marriage being in crisis, and you know the single parent homes and all these things, and and you know a lot of what's happening in culture is reflected sort of everywhere. You know, there's that that focus on self too much, and I think marriage does teach you you have to focus beyond yourself. You totally. you've got to look to the, at the other person, and you know it's one of the best. I mean, it's the most amazing institution, it really is. And uh, you know, my wife teaches me a lot of lessons all the time, so it's. Uh, 
it's the it's the best when you when you when you decide to stay in any kind of relationship you know regardless of what the conflict is among you that's like that's a, that's an unusual choice and a hard choice for a human to make and marriage is 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 that kind of a covenant or it is supposed that's how it's supposed to function and that's when you, i think you learn the most about how to how to how to treat everybody else better, you know, cause yeah. it's the best mirror. It's the best mirror. I, I, I see myself in the worst light <laughs> through my <laughs> wife's eyes. I also, I also see myself loved despite the things that I know yeah. in, that are in myself as well. It's like just the best mirror. And I think that's part of the beauty of, of, uh, why it's such a, a functional thing that God made, um, for us to expand our, our understanding and love of one another. It's just gorgeous, I think. Well, you know what the world needs? It needs more Crowders. That's the solution <laughs> to fixing no, all of these no. problems. No, if you could talk to my wife, that's not it. See, that's what I'm saying. No, they need more Crowders that are trying to be better Crowders. That's maybe maybe what it is, but I've got, yeah. Oh, well, listen, my, my final question, in light of all of this, um, you know, in light of everything we've talked about, what are you hoping uh, you know, that your listeners take away from I Know a Ghost? Man, I hope they feel loved. I mean, since we're talking about that, uh, it really is um, it, the story that I've told over and over for these three records is pretty redundant. It is. It doesn't matter where you are, what you've done. You can't outrun God and you can't outrun grace. It's like it just if you just pick your eyes up and, and see that you are loved in, in spite of everything that you've done, that's depraved. That's the whole that's the whole thing. And uh, so I keep saying it over and over. And, and if it dawns on the person, that would be the hope of, uh, you know, everything I'm doing, I think. Well, listen, I, I so appreciate you coming on. you got to come back again soon. I would love it. Thanks for listening to the Billy Hallowell Podcast. Visit Billy on Facebook or Twitter at Billy Hallowell for more on faith, culture, entertainment, and plenty more.